Welcome to the Autumn Miles Show with your host, Autumn Miles. Autumn is an author, speaker, wife, and mother. She's the founder and CEO of The Blush Network, the author of Appointed, and a premier contributor for The Blaze. Autumn's vision is to engage our culture with the bold truth of God coupled with raw faith. Now here's your host, Autumn Miles. Hello, this is Autumn Miles with the Autumn Miles Show. How are you doing out there? I just love you today. It's a good day to be a follower of Jesus and live in DFW. I'm all about the Tex-Mex right now. I'm all about a burrito. I'm hungry. It's lunchtime. (laughs) I am so glad you're joining us today. Uh, We have had an awesome week, man. And we have gotten... I hope you've been listening this week. If you haven't, well, guess what? Uh, We have lots of places where you can listen, podcast, YouTube, you know, you know the drill. Um, I want you guys, before I welcome our um, last guest of the week, uh, I wrote a book, believe it or not, two years ago. Thank you, Jesus. I don't know where that came from, Uh, but I'm writing my second one right now. I'm really excited about its release, but um, oh, it's in the studio. It's hot pink. It's called Appointed. Yes, men, you can read this book. Uh, They colored it hot pink. I don't know why, but you can pick this up anywhere books are sold. Also, appointedbook.com. You can order you one uh, from the website there. Uh, We love you today. We are um, doing an interesting series called Pastors Uncensored. That's officially what I've named it. It's Friday, and I figured out a name on Friday. Um, it's been an awesome sort of walk through the country. <clears throat> with the different uh, geographical areas and what the churches sort of face in these different areas. Um, It's interesting that, of course, you know, we're talking to um, a a lady today from Columbus, Ohio. Uh, The the issues in in this church are not going to be different than the issues in in Dallas or anything like that, but they they are issues that that this specific church has seen. Um, So there's a lot of truth that is being shared shared this week and um, we're we're kind of stating the issue but also offering hope um, I believe tonight this is the time for the church and with all of the um, diversity and all of the problems we see in our culture today you know this is the time for the church to rise up and really be the solution we know that Jesus is the answer and um so we want to get to our guest this this guy I've known for a while she's she's a little piece of dynamite uh but her and her husband lead a church called Life Vineyard Church in Columbus Ohio we actually actually had Simon, her husband, on the show uh, a couple months ago, and um, he had a very unique perspective, and I, I really enjoyed my time with him. But I also wanted to have Mel, uh, Melanie, excuse me, on the show. Um, she is going to share her her perspective as she leads this church with her husband over there in Columbus, Ohio. So welcome to the show, Melanie. This is Melanie Forsyth. How are you? Hi, I'm good. Thanks, Autumn. Good to have, good to be here. I'm excited. I'm excited too, and I I'm so grateful just that you would lend your voice to the show. Um, you know, you guys have a very unique story, and um, I I want you to 
give us a little background on planting Life Vineyard Church. Um, if you would, let, let, let's hear that background. I know, I know you're you, you don't sound like you're from America, so let's start there. No, no, yeah, I um I grew up in Australia. I was born in Australia, and um my dad was a church planter. And so I was eight years old when he uh, first planted a church. And so ever since then, that's kind of been um, my life is is church planting. And so uh, I married my husband in Australia. He worked for my dad. And um, then we moved here uh, 13 years ago to work in a church. And uh, that was a really awesome experience here. We thought we'd only come for a few years, but uh, the Lord had other plans, as he normally does. And so... Uh, seven years ago, we planted Life Vineyard Church in Columbus, Ohio, and uh, and the rest really is history. It's pretty now, fantastic. From what I remember about my interview with Simon, and this was a couple months ago, um, he said that you guys really felt like you were called to be missionaries to America. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that is so interesting to me. You want to talk about that for a minute? Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's funny. It's like when it's kind of like that thing where... Uh, you grow up in a certain culture and you can become blind to some of the, some of the weak spots in your culture or some of the, uh, you know, the places where maybe your Christianity and the culture is kind of uh, intersecting in not a healthy way. And, um, and I think that if, you know, if an American went to Australia, they would really be able to speak to the Australian church in a different way than an Aussie would Um, and vice versa. So we really felt moving here was that um, we had a unique perspective um, as Christians that comes from the Southern Hemisphere in a different culture, and um, we knew that there was going to be a benefit to America if we came and brought that same spirit with us here um, and that we could learn from each other. So, I, yeah. love, I and, love that perspective. You don't hear that a lot. You know, you hear of a lot of church plan, church a lot of people from America going out. Of course, we live in America, but yeah. I just love that perspective. And it is so true. You have a perspective that we don't have um, yeah. and, and vice versa. And we can sort of grow and learn from each other. Okay. So you guys planted Life Vineyard Church um, about how, how many years ago now? Seven years ago. Okay. Seven years ago. And um, it's been interesting. We have a personal relationship Um yeah, <laughs> you know we've we've known each other for a while, uh, but I I would we're just sort of getting things out on the table uh, for for churches today. You know what what does the pastoral leadership go through, um, you know, on a daily basis that maybe the average church attendee doesn't know, and um, because of this information that our pastors have given us this week, um, how can we sort of do better? How can we sort of help in the cause for Christ? So I'm just going to start you off with this. Uh, from your perspective, um, what is the biggest threat um, to your church? Biggest threat? I, You know what? I think that the biggest threat is over-religiousness in, um, in our church. Like mm. that, that is something that we have struggled with from day one, especially Columbus, Ohio. I mean, it's um, it, it grazes the Bible Belt. It's not inside the Bible Belt, but mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of like maybe it's like the the Bible chest. I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a little <laughs> higher than the Bible Belt, but um, there can be some real uh, some real issues and real threats that face um, you know churches, especially in our area. The one we identified the most was how politically aligned a lot of the churches were. Um, 
in and active politically that was isolating an entire generation of people that did grow up in the church that didn't mm. um, identify, let's say, as a white Republican, and mm. they did not know how to encounter Christ in a way that um, I, I, I don't feel like the church has had an open door policy mm. towards people that maybe didn't grow up in the church and maybe didn't vote the way that they voted and maybe didn't see the world quite the same way as they saw the world. Um, I found that that was the biggest threat um, facing the church in Columbus, Ohio. And so we wanted to be able to kind of bring a different perspective, um, especially because we are not American. We were Australian and um, we didn't have a family political history in ourselves either. So we were able to kind of create a church from the ground up that didn't have a whole bunch of different affiliations to different political movements and different pastors and different, you know, different mantles that were out there all around America, we were creating something fresh and new with brand new DNA mm. um, that was based entirely around the gospel of Jesus Christ. Mm. There's not a lot of baggage attached to it. Um, yeah. And so uh, we created this church in response to, I guess, what we thought the threat was of isolation of a whole group of people that um, couldn't encounter Christ because um, the churches were so politically aligned. This um, is so interesting to me. This is such a good conversation to have because <laughs> it's such a problem. <laughs> I mean, you know, you vote uh, Republican, Democrat, whatever. It is yeah. true that there is this stigma if you don't vote a certain way. Yeah. It, you oh, are yeah. almost outed from the church uh, community just politically and with the elections coming up, you know, with, with our two candidates here, um, everything's super heated over this, but it is interesting that it bleeds into the church and there is almost, Mm -hmm. uh, what are you, you know, you're, 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 you're severely judged, um, based, based on this. This is, this is very interesting to me. So, okay. So you, you see this political problem, um, and you wanted to create something new. So how how do we sort of combat this um, d- division? Yeah, well, we, um, I mean, all I can tell you is what we have done on yeah. our end. And, and it was actually kind of really great um, before, because, you know, we recently became Americans. But um, for the majority of our time here, we were not. And so we weren't allowed to vote. And um, I know that there's probably people listening right now that think this is, hideous and horrible, like, oh my gosh, this is terrible. But I mean, when people would ask us, who are you voting for? We're like, we can't vote. So we don't have an opinion in this. Mm -hmm. Um, And we would hand it over to our people and say, we trust that if we are preaching Jesus and if we are preaching the gospel in its fullness, that that there is a transfer of anointing and there is um, the Holy Spirit that's inside of you is going to lead you Mm-hmm. in a truly great way to be able to vote the way that you feel like the Lord is leading you. Mm-hmm. And that just can be between you and the Lord. Um, you don't have to tell me. You don't have to tell anyone else. Um, we're trusting that the Lord is moving on your heart, and we're giving you the freedom to respond in a way that we, that you feel God is calling you to do that um, without any pressure of feeling like, well, my pastors are voting this way, so therefore I need to follow suit. Um, we didn't even have a dog in the race, you know? Mm-hmm. So That's we were like, well. This is, you know, we trust that the Holy Spirit inside of you is going to lead you. Um, go wow. for it. Go change. That's amazing. And so we describe our, you know, our church is purple. Our church is 
the purple church. I don't want to get to the purple thing yet. I've got that in my notes. I don't want to, we're not going there quite yet, but I, I do okay. want to, I do want to get, I do, I do want to get to the purple thing. Congratulations on becoming Americans, by the way. Um, that's, that's incredible. Um, okay. So you say, before we get to the purple thing, you say, um, you say over religiousness. And yes. um, I think I, I I can definitely agree with you. Uh, ta- t- what, what, d- let's define that a little bit over yeah. religiousness. Um, what I would call that is when um, your Christianity affects like what you eat and what brand you buy. And uh, when you narrow everything down to like, oh, I'm, not, I'm allowed to listen to this music, but not this. I'm allowed to go here, but not there. I can't go to this store because they're boycotting this and not this. And you see, that doesn't exist in Australia. Mm. Um in Australia, we don't have um, the church has never uh, gotten really involved in the politics of the day. Um, the church is quite completely discriminated against in Australia. Ninety-five uh, percent of people in Australia do not attend church on a Sunday. So wow. if you are in one of the five percent that do, you're already aware that you are in a minority, and so you don't have this weird feeling of like the entire country has to become like us. They don't have to follow our morals. They don't have to do all of the things that we have to do because you, you look at you look at it and you're like, we're obviously outnumbered. Um, yeah. And so it creates a different culture within the church in Australia, which is like we're not out to, um, we don't over-religify everything in our society. We very much just focus on the gospel. We mm-hmm. very much just focus on loving our neighbor. And, um, and we have a lot of grace for all of those other areas. Like when I first came here, I you know, I was blown away by all of these very strange religious rules, like um, that just didn't exist in Australia. Like, can I wear a two-piece? Am I allowed to have my ears? A two-piece like, bathing that? suit. Bathing suit. You know, yes, yes. But I, that, that was never even a discussion. I, I mean, we were so busy, busy focused on surviving as Christians that we did not have the time to waste on whether the Lord was okay about our swimsuit or, you know, we just didn't even... Wow. We didn't go there. Because and that's so, what um, that's what people trip over every day here. It's about the yeah. legalism and the rules and the yes. this and the that. And some of those rules, I mean, you know, just just morally, um, yeah. are are not horrible, but people no, live and die by just, the rules rather than the gospel. That's right. Yes. That's right. That's right. Um and so that's what I saw the most. I saw that people would, you know, I saw a real disparity, you know, especially as a youth pastor. I would see girls that you know, wouldn't wear two pieces and that would listen to Christian music because they were having sex with their boyfriends, and that wasn't a problem. And oh, because gosh. they felt justified and holy in these other areas of their lives. That's crazy, yeah. Um, and so my job was like, strip all that away. That means nothing. God doesn't care about what you wear. He doesn't care about what you put in your mouth. He doesn't care about these things. But he does care about your heart, and he does care about how you conduct your life um, in a different way. And and you're kind of focusing on the wrong things here. and. Mm. Yeah, so that's what I mean about over-religiousness. Uh, so good. And it making, is... one, making oneself holy by deeds mm-hmm. that, even, that God has never asked you to do in the first place. Which goes back to the <laughs> Pharisees and the Sadducees yeah. of Scripture. I mean, you know, he called yes. them whitewashed tombs. They looked, right. they looked pretty religious. But man, yeah. I mean, his harshest words went to those that were over-religious. Over I mean, he... Yeah. Woof, uh, if you don't believe yeah. me, uh, read it in the word. Um, from your perspective, right. uh, what is a trend that you see in your church? Um, it, you know, you are in the Midwest. I grew up in the Midwest. Um, so what's a trend that you see going on over there? Up there, I um, guess. I think, I think 
the biggest trend for us, and again, I can only speak to our congregation, is the amount of millennials, the amount of people in their early 20s that are desperately hungry for Jesus. Wow. Um, that are just, they're, you know, I, I feel like every Sunday in our church, I am meeting more and more and more people that, um, that are young and that are looking for a church family. They are looking for a home. Um, they've been, a lot of them have been burnt by church. A lot of them have been raised in maybe, you know, hyper-religious families and they have wandered away from the gospel for quite some time. And, um, and they're returning, but they're returning with a different set of values. They're returning with a different set of ideas. Hmm. And, um, and some of that is really, really good and needed in the church. And some of, some of the other things need to fall away. And, um, and so that trend I'm seeing is the church community is starting to become attractive again to um, an entirely new generation of, of people that are supposed to be absent from the church. Mm. Um, in our church, they're not absent. They're, they're coming in droves. Mm. Um, and yeah, so that's So this is a good trend. trend. This is a great it's trend. A glorious trend. Right. I mean, I'm like flying high on this trend. So right this now. millennial generation and a lot of people have a lot of stuff to say about the the millennials, but this is where this is where they're getting it right. So we need to praise yeah. when we see positive positive moves. And this yeah. is um it's amazing to see them returning uh to church, but they're looking for a real church. And I feel like yes. um Melanie, I feel like um authentic is kind of an overused word and people think sort of feel like they're being authentic, but they're not. So describe to me what, what, what the millennials, what are they looking for when you say real and authentic, what are they looking for in church today? I think what they're, they're looking for a family Um, above all else. They're looking for a family. They're looking Mm. for people that are going to love them enough to, um, because, you know, if you think about a family, we have so much more grace for the people in our family. You know, we know Mm -hmm. their quirks, we know their brokenness, we know the things that they struggle with, but, you know, at the end of the day, we gather around the table and we eat together and we laugh together and we prefer one another. And and I feel like the church has done a really terrible job at embracing family in the last 30 years um, in the pursuit of of the bigger, better, flashier, shinier, more entertainment-geared style church. And um, while it's, while it's, fun on the front end and while you will attract a crowd on the front end it can leave a lot of people feeling very lost and hollow um, because they don't have true relationships and um, mm. and they can feel very much when they have a hard time that they're dropped by by either their church or by their small group mm. um, because you know they're not they're not living maybe the way that they should be as a Christian and um and whereas I, I take a different approach here at this church um, because I believe that we need to be able to create a space that is large and big and, and beautiful enough for people in every season in their life. Um, when they're doubting God, is there space for them here? I say yes. You know, when they're struggling with addiction, is there space for them still here? Yes. You know, when they're, when they're feeling lonely and insecure, or when they're having, you know, anxiety or they're struggling with depression, is there still a place for them in church community, and I, the answer for me is always yes. And um, and I want to create a church that goes the distance with people, um, that they feel absolutely loved and and connected, um, irregardless of how they're doing in their inner life at any particular time. And um, 
and that there's safety here. And at the end of the day, even if, you know, we disagree or we have to talk to them about something that's going on in their life, we do it out of love and then we sit down and share a meal together and we embrace and we we promise our hearts to each other. And I think that, you know, that's what people are looking for. It is. It is. And we're seeing sort of this trend this week of exactly what you're just saying. But what one of the things that you just said is um, there's safety here. There's safety. Yeah. Um, you know, our churches should be a haven that that I mean, look at who Jesus went to. You know, he went to the yeah. adulterous woman. You know, he went to the woman that, that was sleeping around. Uh, he yeah. went to the, the, the tax collectors, the rejects of his day. He went to yeah. that's who he ministered to. That's and right. um, it's our responsibility, you know, as leaders and, you know, uh, churches and and pastors to create a safe place, not to harbor yeah. sin. But no, to say, listen, I'm going to walk, I'm going to walk alongside you and, yeah. um, and I'm going to mentor you, take you under my wing. Let's, let's do this together. Let's love you through this, this situation. I love that you use the word safety because I think a lot of people don't think church is safe. They, they yeah. think judgment. Okay. Um, so let's get to the purple thing. We have, um, we have five <laughs> minutes left, but this, this was an interesting term and we actually like Googled purple ribbon and all this kind of stuff in the pre-production meeting. Uh, but you say we have a purple church. What does that mean? What that means is we have people that align themselves with every type of political movement out there it's fine i'm yeah. like you know because we don't make politics a you know live and die by the sword um issue we it, it creates us an environment for people to come in and be able to to still have views and opinions um on the political climate and not feel like um that they're going to be rejected for that. I, I think a lot of churches are either they'll, they'll be a, de- a Democratic church or a Republican church. They come together around something even more beautiful, which is Jesus mm-hmm. and um, the gospel. And in our church, we don't force people to choose. Mm-hmm. Um, we try and preach Jesus and the gospel, and we stand on that. And um, and then we allow uh, allow that to work out. So our church is full of people that would never get along in any other setting or scenario. And we joke about it all the time. We're like, sometimes the only thing anyone in our church has is Jesus in common. Mm. That is it. Mm. But it's enough, right? Mm. It's enough. Yeah. Jesus is enough. Absolutely. Yeah. And I love, I think it was Simon and we've taught, we've even uh, said this, uh, Simon, uh, your husband um, said on our show, you know, the gospel is offensive and um, I can't get that out of my head. We have talked about that so many times just in our, in our own ministry over here in leadership. Um, The gospel is enough. Jesus is enough. He is the great unifier. Uh, One of the things you said uh, on along those lines, uh, we ask you, what is something as a body of Christ that we could do better? Uh, your statement to us, and just because of time, I'm, I'm just going to read your statement back to us. We as a yeah. church have created barriers to the gospel that don't yeah. need to be there. We think we have to defend Jesus. Uh, we we don't have that much time, but, but I would like you just to talk in a minute. Talk to me through, talk me through that statement. Yeah, I just... I feel like a lot of times our Jesus is too small, you know. We look at someone um, and maybe they, uh, you know, maybe they're gay. And we think, oh, my gosh, like, if I if I welcome them into my church, um, 
then, oh my gosh, what is that going to mean for our church? Rather than thinking, oh my gosh, like they're going to encounter Jesus. And, and I believe that when they encounter Jesus and the full beauty of who Jesus is, then he is going to start kingdom work in their life and kingdom fruit is going to develop in their mm-hmm. life. Um, but a lot of times I think the church feels like they have to protect Jesus. They think that Jesus is too small to change a life or to change a heart. So good. Shock horror to change someone's sexual orientation. Um, so we protect those people and we create barriers. Oh, no, no, no. At this church, you, if you come, you know that like we are not accepting of that. So you can't come. And mm. instead of saying, no, the Jesus that we preach in this church is so beautiful and so attractive and he is so powerful that you will fall on your face and your life will be turned upside down. Mm. Come see. Mm. Come be a part of that, Jesus. Come yeah. be a part of this community. And I feel like we do that in so many areas because at our core gut level, we are afraid that Jesus isn't enough. Mm. He's not enough, mm. you know? Oh, this is so good. Uh, I got to end, but you said our Jesus is too small. I can't think Mm. of a better way to to challenge us uh, to end this week. And I'm just going to put it out there to the, to the the listeners right now. You know, uh, this is a problem. This is a problem. You know, um, Melanie is speaking truth over here. We as a church have created barriers to the gospel that don't need to be there. We think we have to defend Jesus. Jesus is not too small. He literally is the answer to everything to, to every um every every challenge every problem that we could face thank you so much melanie oh, uh, for being so on our show we really appreciate you being here uh, it's just it's always such a, a blessing to to chat with you uh and thank you out there for listening we will catch you next time right here on the autumn mile show thanks so much for listening today the autumn miles program is listener supported and your donation to keep it on the air is appreciated to make a donation visit autumnmiles.com and with a 100 dollar donation or more, you'll receive an autographed copy of Autumn's book, Appointed, Your Future Starts Now. Join us next time for the Autumn Miles Show on Christian Talk Radio, The Word, 100.7 FM.